0: 20 to receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast switch now at visible.com for data management practices and additional terms visit visible.com the visible monthly rate is $25 per month josh my friend yeah if you are a listener of ours and you live in chicago toronto vancouver austin brooklyn minneapolis kansas or right here in atlanta you can come see us on tour starting in august and finishing up in november is that right
1: yeah, that's right, man. It's our 2017 North America Monsters of Podcasting Tour.
0: <laughs> I like the sounds of that. Eddie Van Halen is opening. Yeah, he is. But not really. No. Not really. But you can find out all the information and all the deets at sysklive.com, our Squarespace live touring home on the web, and we hope to see everyone out there.
2: Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com.
1: Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant. There's guest producer Noel. This is Stuff You Should Know. I hate ketchup. Do you really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Do you like tomato sauce? Like pasta? Sure. Love it. Do you like tomato soup?
0: Don't love it. I'll, I'll choke it down, though.
1: So I'm starting to see a spectrum emerge here.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. I don't I don't go for raw tomato much. Well Love cooked pasta sauce. Yeah. But I'm a mayonnaise guy at heart, so if we're talking condiments.
1: You know, one thing about the uh the Dorito effect that it kind of ruined me a little bit on food. Like I'll be like, Oh, this is a good tomato, and then some part of my brain's like, Yeah, well it's not a nineteen forties tomato. You don't know what a good tomato is.
0: Oh. What do you mean, you like know? Like a Jersey tomato versus, you know, just some other stupid tomato?
1: (laughs) No, supposedly, like, uh, just the uh, agricultural production in the U.S. is so homogenized now that, like, we've lost all these great heirloom varieties of, Gotcha. especially tomato, and the stuff that that most people get that are tomatoes are just no, they're no good compared to how they used to be.
0: Oh, you hit up a farmer's market.
1: Sure. But even still...
0: Grow that junk yourself. <laughs> right
1: there, you go. Or build a time machine, take the way back machine, and get some yeah, tomatoes. Yeah, we
0: got that at our disposal. What's your What's your problem?
1: I'm just cheap. I don't like to spend it on the gas. Oh, bag. the gas. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's funny, Chuck, that you like mayonnaise. Because did you know? Did you know before this? I should say that the number one condiment for sales wise uh, in the United States is mayonnaise.
0: I did not know that, and when I saw that, that surprised me. A, and it surprised me, B, that it was that much more yeah. than ketchup. I figured ketchup would be far and away the winner because I always feel like the ultimate weirdo for not liking ketchup.
1: So what is it about ketchup you don't like? Uh, the taste. Oh, okay.
0: <laughs> That's a pretty good reason not to like it. I'm not wild about vinegar-based things oh yeah i do like balsamic vinegar but a lot of the other vinegars i'm not crazy about that's one of the reasons i don't like pickled things right but uh so vinegar based things um it's really sweet um then i don't love a sweet condiments mm-hmm. um have you ever had curry ketchup no i don't i don't eat ketchup oh i see uh and then the the when i was a kid i I can't lie it probably grossed me out a little bit uh because i the the, you call your mom bathing in it (laughs) yeah oh my god (laughs) oh that's disturbing um (laughs) the 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 blood thing you know i probably thought you know it grossed me out because we would use it as blood for play acting and things yeah so yeah just mm, not into it
1: those are some solid reasons to not like ketchup.
0: Plus I don't know if people would probably argue that ketchup and mayonnaise are great together. But I'm, once you're on the mayo train, to mix up another condiment with it just doesn't make sense to me.
1: I uh I don't I don't discriminate. I'll, I I like most if not all condiments.
0: So like ketchup, mayo and mustard on a burger is good to you. Yes. Oh, yeah. I can't
1: uh, it's not like I can't eat it without it. Like, I've actually found um I can eat burgers without ketchup now, uh-huh. so I'm a grown-up. But I do like a little bit of ketchup on there, a little bit of mustard, and then, yes, definitely mayo.
0: Well, Emily loves ketchup so much that she calls French fries a ketchup delivery system.
1: Yeah. That makes sense. They're a vehicle for it. Yeah. Tell her to try curry ketchup. It'll knock her socks off.
0: I totally will. Um. I like curry.
1: So, yeah, it, it, but you don't like ketchup, so you wouldn't like this. But okay. if she likes ketchup, even if she doesn't like curry, she may still like curry ketchup. No, That's she likes stuff. curry. Oh, well, then she's going to love curry ketchup. Yeah. So mayonnaise is the number one condiment in the United States. It's a big surprise, which must mean ketchup is number two.
0: Yeah, which, oh, by the way, I'd, I'd mention how much more. I think it was about $2 billion to 800000 Arms no, are $800 million. <laughs>
1: right.
0: Which is that's a more than double. That kind of surprised me.
1: Yeah, it is very surprising. What's even more surprising is I was being facetious because ketchup isn't even the number two condiment in the United States. Oh, salsa
0: yeah. is. That's right. Salsa had a big surge in the like 80s and 90s. That's mm-hmm.
1: because people like to say salsa. <laughs>
0: Another so Seinfeld ke- reference.
1: Ketchup is number three, right? Yeah, At I guess least so. it's
0: got mustard. Beat for Pete's sake! What is this, the EU? You know. Yet ninety-seven percent of American households have a bottle of ketchup in their well. It says kitchens, but we'll get to the fridge, non-fridge thing later.
1: Sure. So yes, everybody loves ketchup, especially in America, because it's obviously an American invention. Everybody knows that John Wayne's grandfather invented ketchup while he was sailing his Ford truck down the Mississippi River. <laughs> And one day, a magical bottle of Budweiser came and whispered the recipe in his ear. And they commemorated the event by shooting off fireworks. I love it. And that's how ketchup was born. Everybody knows it, right? And
0: fireworks. Right. Pretty neat. No, that's not true. Uh, Although, I take a little bit of issue with this. Because ketchup was first created in Asia, in China, in about 544 C.E.,
1: I should say I saw they think maybe the Chinese got it from the Vietnamese.
0: Yeah, I saw that, too. Okay. Um, but as you will see, these recipes that were originally for preserving fish, it's, A, they didn't have tomatoes at all. That came in, in America much later. Mm-hmm. But it's so not like ketchup. To me, It's you can't even trace it back and say, like, yep, that's ketchup. Like, but what's you, the point in even linking these things?
1: Because you can link them. Like, it's, it, that's the fascinating thing to me about it. It's like American ketchup, what we think of as ketchup here in the States, like Heinz 57 stuff, right? Is it's a what? species that evolved, not Heinz 57 sauce, but Heinz ketchup. Oh, uh, okay. What everybody thinks of as ketchup, right? It's a species that evolved from an ancestor that, that is, it can, directly trace its lineage right back to this ketchup in in Asia. So much so that the word ketchup is an Anglicization of either a Malay word that was borrowed from the Cantonese or a uh, Hokkien, South China, Fujian province word. Either way, it was something like katsu, and (laughs) it meant a fermented fish Paste. It's like when you go to the store today and you buy fish sauce. Yeah, I love it. That's that's that was that's the progenitor of ketchup. That's where ketchup came from.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess that makes sense. It's just to me, it's changed so much. It's almost like uh, you should just draw a line. That's uh, and I guess that line would be. Pre tomato and post tomato.
1: I think, yeah. I think that's pretty fair to say, yeah, pre tomato and post tomato. You can you can definitely draw a line because if you look at Heinz ketchup bottles, it says clearly tomato ketchup. Yeah. And there's this really great I think it was a Fasco design article by a guy named John Brownlee who points out like why would they even bother putting tomato on the label? Of course it's tomato ketchup, you idiot. And the reason is is because that's a throwback to a time when Ketchup didn't have tomato and it. It had things like um, sardines and anchovies. Yeah. Well, not sardines, but anchovies. So I, let's, I thought what? there were
0: sardines. There, there was, you name it, and it was probably in ketchup at some point. Right. So Asia, maybe Southeast Asia, maybe China. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Brits encountered this on some of their uh, wild trips abroad. Right. Uh, and as many things brought it home. Said we love this stuff. Let's try and replicate it. Uh, and then in 1732 was uh, one of the first published recipes in the UK ketchup in paste by Richard Bradley. Right, uh, Rick he, Bradley. Yeah, Ricky Bradley, and he did reference the um, <laughs> the East Indies as its origin. Yeah, but and, this and is it was still pre tomato.
1: Sure. Yeah, it was a very pretty faithful recreation of the fish sauce that they found the you ketchup. Know, um, I'm pretty sure that's how you say it. I'd be very interested to, to know how to pronounce it um, correctly. But it was it was a faithful recreation of it, which was basically like preserved fish in a sort of brine with some spices thrown in, um, maybe a little mace, some salt, some pepper, maybe something like lemon peel,
0: and then... That left sounds to good fr- to me. It,
1: yeah. Well, if you like fish sauce, you would love the original ketchup because it's basically the same thing, right?
0: Well, I do like fish sauce, but it's... Um- you gotta use it liberally and it's only for certain things. Yeah yeah. You know? Sure. You don't want to just like go throwing fish sauce on, on everything.
1: I don't know, man. If you love fish sauce, it's it's like it's like with pungent. ketchup. People will put ketchup on just about anything. Well we'll get to that. So so at first the Brits are like Blimey. This is really good stuff. <laughs> Boy, that's a good accent. But I <laughs> I'm not that big on uh anchovies. What else can we replace it with? So they started making their own kind of offshoots of ketchup, where they replaced the anchovies with other stuff.
0: Yeah, I mean, th- mushrooms, uh, mm-hmm. walnuts, mm-hmm. uh what else? Elderberry? Yeah. Oysters?
1: Yeah, and what they were going for was that umami flavor. They didn't know it at the time, because umami wasn't discovered until, what, the 60s, I think? I think
0: it was uh, the yeah, 60s. We did a show on that.
1: Yeah, everybody kind of knew that it was... A thing, but no one had actually, like, sussed it out or named it. But right. But that's what they were going for was that savory, meaty flavor that you would get from something like fermented anchovies. And they were trying to recreate it, and they did. I mean, like, apparently mushroom ketchup uh, tasted a lot like Worcestershire sauce. Yeah. Um, and then uh, – yeah, walnut ketchup. Apparently Jane Austen was a big fan of that. And if you're sitting there thinking of putting this on like your hot dog, the hot dogs weren't invented yet. They, that's right. not what people were using it for. They were using it as like a base for stews. Yeah. Or, um, like meat pies, things like that. It was like a sauce. It was a base. It was something that, that you were taking bland food and making it savory with this bottle of this stuff that was made from fermented something or other.
0: Well, and they would base it on, uh, they would use it, like, we kind of use barbecue sauce. They would baste it on things while they're cooking. Sure. Um, which I just can't imagine that. Like basting, tomato-based. Well, this is before it was tomato, I guess. But
1: Right, this is when it was mushroom-based.
0: Yeah, but you mentioned uh, umami, and uh, your buddy Malcolm Gladwell <laughs> wrote an article for The New Yorker, and kind of uh, throwing out the question, like, why are there so many kinds of mustard, yet ketchup is kind of ketchup? And his answer was because it satisfies all the fundamental tastes, all five, right. uh, sweet, salty, sour, bitter, and umami.
1: Another answer is that there actually are a ton of different kinds of ketchup.
0: Well, <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't get mention Just that. as
1: many as there are mustard, it seems. <laughs> uh,
0: so America is who first, because tomatoes are, are native to North America, and this is where people first started using tomato as the base.
1: Yeah, but, Chuck, it took a really long, circuitous route to get to that point. And the reason why is, in America, people were making ketchup, but they were still doing things like using walnuts and using mushrooms and oysters as the base of it, right? Yeah. They still weren't using tomatoes, even though tomatoes were everywhere. And that was because the Europeans and uh, American colonists or European colonists considered tomatoes poisonous. Yeah. So they didn't eat tomatoes. Dummies. They, I think they used them as, like, ornamental plants or something like that. Oy. Finally, some people started to, like, try them and tried to convince other people. And then they went through a little period where they were considered medicine. And then finally, somebody started adding them to to ketchup. And the first tomato ketchup recipe appears in an American cookbook, depending on who you ask, either in 1812 or 1801.
0: Yeah, the 1812 when... Uh- well, yeah, that's the one I found was 1812, but it, it still didn't really, really take off until post Civil War. Right. Uh, and this is 1871 when a man named Henry Hines, mm-hmm. he got together with a doctor. Isn't that right?
1: Yes. That guy, um, Dr. Wiley. I can't remember his first name, but he shows up in our FDA. Does, F- does the FDA protect Americans? Remember that guy who put together that group of people who would, like eat preservatives until they were poisoned to find out whether something was poisonous or not. Yes.
0: That was the guy who
1: set up that squad.
0: Yeah. Dr. Harvey Washington Wiley. Yeah. So his whole deal was for, for a while there, ketchup was, had some really nasty chemicals in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them had, and these were all preservatives. Some of it was coal tar. Um, that gave it the red color. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then sodium, uh, benzoate benzoate mhm and and that helped to retard spoilage so it was really nasty stuff and he kind of first championed um that this stuff is harmful to your health so he got together with Henry J Hines who was producing ketchup in 1876 and they were like you know what if you use really good cuz at the time the ketchup they were making was from like scraps of tomatoes right. that were kind of kind of like junk tomatoes right right and they said, you know, what, if you use good, ripe red tomatoes as your base, uh, it has a natural preservative in it called pectin. Um, and it really, you know, we got to ramp up the vinegar because uh, that will help out with the spoilage. And all of a sudden, we don't need to use chemicals anymore.
1: Right, which was a huge breakthrough. And the, the reason why there are so many preservatives in ketchup was because tomatoes have a pretty short growing season. It's like uh, mid-August to mid-October. And so the only time during the year you could make fresh ketchup was those two months and you couldn't make a year's worth of ketchup. Like by this time, people were buying millions of bottles of ketchup in America alone a year, right? So you couldn't make all that in two months. So you had to preserve the pulp, but they, they took terrible standards and practices to preserving. So when you opened up that tub of pulp, you know, come July, good band name to make some, <laughs> to make some some new ketchup, it was totally spoiled, ridden with bacteria. It was very dangerous stuff to begin with. And that was the basis that they used to start with. Yeah. So it was really bad stuff. And when Heinz created this preservative-free version of ketchup, it was a huge, huge breakthrough.
0: Yeah. And uh, way back in 1890, he even created that iconic octagonal ketchup bottle Yeah. that you cannot buy in stores anymore, as far as I know. Uh, But you can still get in restaurants.
1: You can take them from restaurants. (laughs) Just leave an extra good tip.
0: All right, so let's take a break here, and we'll get back and talk about this foul condiment right after this. So today, ketchup is basically tomatoes, mm-hmm. salt, yeah. vinegar, okay. onion powder, More. some spice, yeah. some kind of sweetener, uh, either a lot of sugar or a lot of uh, corn syrup or high fructose corn syrup.
1: Yeah. It is, it, I think high fructose corn syrup is the standard, and I think it was Hunt's that first came out with a, a brand that didn't have high-fructose corn syrup, and they touted it all up and down the avenue.
0: And Heinz is far and away, like, since I don't do ketchup, I, I, I made the bad mistake of buying the wrong ketchup one time for Emily.
1: <laughs> oh, What kind did you get?
0: I think it was Hunt's. Oh, yeah. And, you know, she was like, no, 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 no. It's like, don't bring any Hunt's, and God forbid any Del Monte ketchup. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's outsold. Yeah. It's Heinz, Heinz, Heinz. Yeah. In my house. And uh, it is far and away the the leader. I think they have what, like 60 or so percent of the market share that's in the U.S. They have yeah.
1: about 30 percent of the global market. So like not bad. Heinz is synonymous, literally with ketchup around the world. That's correct. everybody knows Heinz ketchup,
0: right? We should have gotten them as a sponsor. Yeah, we should have. But then we wouldn't have been able to do a show about ketchup. We're giving this away. Because we have values.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we do. We really do, Chuck. Congratulations to you on your (laughs) values. And you as well. So, um, ketchup's much more standardized. Depending on who you ask, it's either incredibly toxic or actually has some health benefits. Could be both, right? There's a, I said, I I think I already said that there was a period where tomatoes were seen as medicine back in the day.
0: Yeah, they had tomato pills.
1: Yeah, they had tomato pills. And actually, they had ketchup pills, too. There was a doctor in Ohio who stole the ideas of another doctor in Michigan and went to a guy who was selling patent medicine and said, Hey, man, tomatoes are super healthy. And so, by extension, ketchup should be super healthy. And I believe that they do things like... Um, Treat indigestion by removing bile from the body.
0: Yeah, you got some diarrhea, eat some ketchup.
1: Got jaundice, ketchup pills, right? How about rheumatism or headaches? Well, so this is where it starts to get a little wacky, right? Yeah. They started selling Dr. Mills compound extract of tomato. And they were successful. This was back in 1835. And they were successful. And a a bunch of imitators came on the market. And um, all of a sudden... It was not so so great any longer.
0: Well, no, because a lot of them didn't even have tomatoes in them. They were fraudulent ketchup pills. Uh, or they were laxatives. Acting as laxatives. And so <laughs> that caused the great tomato pill market crash right. of 1840.
1: But today we're much smarter, and rather than ketchup pills, we take tomato pills, also known as lycopene supplements.
0: Yeah, because lycopene, is that's the good stuff that you're looking for that uh, has been shown to... Uh, help cancer patients specifically. I think the one that they've actually proven is prostate cancer, right? So
1: they haven't proven it, but that one's shown, there's been the most like positive studies, but even still the jury's still out on that one. Oh, okay. But, but yes, prostate cancer is the one that they, re, they roundly point to and say lycopene really helps with this. And at least some studies have shown that they, it, lycopene somehow disrupts communication between cancer cells and um it re- it retards the growth of blood vessels to the cancer cells so they don't get they they can't grow as well and apparently the body produces lycopene naturally but also readily absorbs and uses it too and one of the great sources of lycopene is tomatoes right and lycopene gives tomatoes among other things its red color but the amazing thing about it is if you eat a raw tomato right now, you're not going to absorb as much lycopene as if you ate some ketchup right now.
0: Yeah, it's got to be cooked.
1: Yeah, it releases the lycopene or it makes it more readily available to the human body, we should say.
0: Yeah, but they also say even if it does help, it's like, you know, a little ketchup on a hamburger is not nearly enough to really do you a lot of good.
1: No, it's something like... um uh 2 2.5 milligrams of lycopene in a tablespoon of ketchup you say well i'll just eat a bunch of ketchup the problem is is if you eat say like a half a cup about 7 tablespoons of ketchup which you just have to be a weirdo anyway to do that right you're getting about 3 quarters of your daily sodium intake yeah, and 4 of teaspoons of added sugar as well yeah where you're just better off like eating some tomato sauce instead yeah but the point is, is if lycopene helps humans, which the jury's still out, but it looks like it's possible, then ketchup actually can help humans by giving a little extra lycopene. That's right. Just, just is put great. some ketchup in your, on your tomato sauce.
0: Yeah. And, uh, all these things can add up over time. Sure. So ketchup was, was selling well, uh, in America post Civil War. You got the tomato going now. Everyone loves it. Uh, but there was a problem early on with ketchup that took a long, long time to fully solve. Um, and I bet you they're still sort of working on it is that ketchup, anyone who grew up in the seventies and eighties and loved ketchup at a diner would have a hard time getting the ketchup out of that glass bottle and there were, there were all kinds of tricks. I remember one of them was that if you tapped on the, the 57 and the, on the label, Mm -hmm. was that it? Yep. That it would come out better. Yeah, that's true. Then you had the, the jackass who would just smash the bottom of it until ketchup would shoot out all across the table. That works, but not well. Uh, or the, the more sheepish person at the diner might stick a butter knife in there. <laughs> and be like, die, ketchup. And, co- and coax it out. And the reason all this is happening uh, is because ketchup, and this is a good little dinner party factoid, uh, is a non-Newtonian fluid. Mm-hmm. So if you ever change your oil or or even pour water out of a cup, you will notice that it all pours out at the same rate. It has a single viscosity. It's a Newtonian fluid.
1: Right. Newton's like, hmm. <laughs> those are great.
0: Uh, ketchup. It can start to come out very slowly, and then all of a sudden it starts picking up steam and coming out of that bottle. And that's when you know you're really cooking. Uh, that's Has different external forces acting upon it to either increase or decrease that viscosity.
1: Right. So it has multiple viscosities, which makes it a non Newtonian fluid, right? Yep. And when you, when you put force on it, specifically shear force, changes the the viscosity. It actually decreases the viscosity of the ketchup, which increases the flow rate, which means it comes out of the bottle faster. And one of the ways that you can introduce shear force, S-H-E-A-R, um, is to tap on the bottle. Yes. That concussive force uh, looses or changes the viscosity and the ketchup flows more quickly so it actually
0: is true so there was that, something to that then
1: yeah that tapping on that embossed 57 the the one that was like embossed on the bottle yeah that's that's the perfect spot to tap because if you hit it with the heel of your palm onto the rear of the bottle if you hit it north, you spank like, it on the like bottom if you right <laughs> if you do that lightly all you're doing is is reducing the viscosity of the ketchup right in the rear, but the stuff toward the neck of the bottle that you're trying to get out, it remains highly viscous, right? If you tap toward the neck of the bottle, you're going to reduce the viscosity of the ketchup that's up there in front, and it'll start to slide out. If you hit that thing on the bottom hard enough that you change the viscosity of all the ketchup inside, yeah, it's going to come shooting out, and you're going to look like an idiot. All your friends are going to laugh at you, and you'll die alone. (laughs)
0: that's right so they had a problem with this and they thought in 1968 what about ketchup packets this kind of solves that problem because you can squeeze it out uh and they said yeah that's kind of neat it might do well for restaurants but no one's going to have a a ziploc bag full of ketchup packets in their (laughs) fridge unless you're my mom (laughs) and they're from like eight different fast food restaurants sure uh god bless her um so that, you know, those are still around, but it finally, it, it took till 1983 to come up with the plastic squeeze bottle, which still didn't fully work. Um, because as this, our own article points out, <laughs> <laughs> they made funny farting noises, which I yep. guess is unseemly at a dinner table. Sure. Uh, and then that what the industry insiders call serum, yeah. that, that thin, watery kind of gross stuff that nobody wants on their Their hamburger, hot dog, ketchup juice. Yeah. Toward the end, that serum comes out and nobody wants that. So those squeeze bottles weren't the ultimate solve.
1: Yeah. It's just, it's basically just separated water, separated from the ketchup solids. Yeah. And uh, there's,
2: as the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all, every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor! Gene, what good? Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and last runs the business. I understand now, it's a wise man who uh, marries a wiser woman. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There are actual
1: academic papers on this conundrum, this problem with serum separation in ketchup. Oh, I'm sure. People trying to figure out how to how to get away, get around it. They, I think they've hybridized a new kind of tomato that um, allows for less serum separation once processed into ketchup even.
0: Well, couldn't you just shake it up? I'm, I'm a novice, but... Yeah. You
1: do. You okay. do shake it up. And it typically works. But in I think two thousand two, Heinz and Hunts, and apparently Hunt's was working on it first, and Heinz got wind of it and started their own project, but almost simultaneously, Heinz and Hunts released um a new type of squeeze bottle that you could stand upside down so yeah. the ketchup stayed toward the bottom, right? Uh-huh. And it was actually designed to catch the ketchup juice, the serum, and remix it back into the
0: ketchup solids as it flowed out. That's right. A, uh, a dude named Paul Brown um, is the hero to many because he created the, the silicone valve. And it wasn't just for ketchup. In fact, I don't even know if it was originally
1: It was for, for sham It was for shampoos, I think, that yeah. he was trying to come up
0: with. Well, that makes sense. But he's a hero to ketchup lovers. Yeah. Uh so these these uh liquid valves they had right angle slits cut uh into the valve so when you squeeze the bottle it flows out nice and neat and then they close back up when you stop squeezing which seals it back up inside mm-hmm. the bottle. And then it's a, revolutionary. It's,
1: it's a dome that has the slits cut into the side of it and then around the dome it's a place where the serum collects. And then, as the ketchup is moving out, it's supposed to mix back in together. It's so funny st- how
0: much science has gone into this,
1: right? Just to get the ketchup right, and it still isn't perfect. Like you, you anybody who uses this bottle knows that you still get ketchup juice when you first squirt it, unless you shake it first. Yeah, and even then, you're still going to get a little serum. It's just a fact of life, you know. Yeah, it, you just you don't want to you don't want to do it on a bad day because that can be the thing that that straw <laughs> that just breaks the camel's back, you know? Yeah. you just yeah. Suddenly you're sobbing, standing in your kitchen, holding that squeeze bottle of ketchup.
0: See, that's why you go for mayonnaise, because although it is a non-Newtonian fluid, uh, there's no mayonnaise serum. Did you finish your Q.P. mayonnaise yet? I did, and I need to go to the little mart near my house to see if they have more.
1: Any any halfway decent uh, Asian market will have it.
0: I'm sure they do. I mean, you can buy... uh, Matcha powder and eel, so I'm sure you yes, can buy this stuff. They
1: will have QP mayonnaise.
0: All right, so 2002 is when that uh, new valve was introduced by Heinz and Hunt. Uh, does it doesn't mention poor Del Monte. <laughs> I wouldn't feel too bad for them though. They're still they're still selling a lot of ketchup. Yeah, they're still making that money. You know, I want to know. I want to hear from people though that are like, "No, I'm a Del Monte man." Through and through. Oh, there's somebody, somebody sure. out there.
1: We want to hear from the legit ones, not hipster ones.
0: Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, like ugh, I like Malort and Del Monte ketchup, <laughs> right? And PBR.
1: I don't wear shirts.
0: Um, so 2002 was when that was invented, and then, or I'm sorry, implemented. And then there was that still final problem, apparently, with ketchup where you uh, get to the bottom of the bottle of the squeeze bottles, and you can't get it all out. And that was solved with a little bit of technology, courtesy of MIT, called LiquiGlide.
1: Yeah, I don't know if they've implemented this yet. It sounds like um, adding something that is really unnecessary that could conceivably be toxic. Oh, is it not in there yet? I don't believe so. From Uh The HowStuffWorks article makes it sound like they've invented it and they're planning on it, but they haven't put it in yet.
0: Yeah, so the thing with Liquid Glide, I looked up uh, what that was all about, and I think the deal is, is it <clears> essentially sort of is a coating on the inside of the bottle that makes the inside of the bottle pre-wet in a way.
1: Okay, it's uh, like or that slippery. That um, that what was it that Clark Griswold came up with in Christmas Vacation?
0: Oh, it was like a, a silicone that he ended up putting <laughs> on the yeah. That's Liquid Glide. Yeah, basically. <laughs> I thought if there was going to be any vacation reference in this it would be real tomato ketchup Eddie. <laughs> I don't what was that one then? That was the when one? he uh, spooned yeah, he spooned the ketchup on the sandwich and it was kind of this chunky uh <laughs> mess. <laughs> real tomato ketchup and he went nothing but the best Clark. Nice. Uh so liquid glide by all accounts is they say food safe um but I always wonder about this stuff. Like sure. I don't trust the FDA. So uh or I'm not going to say that. I don't I don't fully trust the FDA in all cases. Mm-hmm. So I just can't imagine that that this that we haven't been poisoning ourselves all along with oh, f- cont- yeah. food containers, you know. Don't
1: you wonder like if there's going to be that revelation that like uh it's a cookbook moment or soil green is human just that that moment where we come to realize that yeah this beep whatever thing it is uh-huh. uh, is it, it this is the thing that's been giving everyone who's ever had cancer since it's been invented yeah cancer you know like this is the smoking gun uh, don't you just think that there's got to be I assume it's just plastics in general
0: I think it's a mix of a lot of things of modern manufacturing so yeah and farming and pesticides and I mean, you name it. So depressing. Should we take a break? (laughs) Yeah.
1: Maybe we can pull this one back from the brink.
0: All right. We're going to get to ketchup versus catsup, which I know everyone wants to know about. (laughs)
2: As important as choosing the right destination when traveling, is choosing the right travel partner. Gene, Eugene Fodor. Gene, was it? Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you ride the books, Gene, and vlasta runs the business. I understand now. It is a wise man Uh, who marries a wiser woman. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us.
1: And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your
0: podcasts. That's right. All
1: right, Chuck, we shouldn't put it off any longer.
0: All right, hit me.
1: So, ketchup, K E T C H U P. Yep. Versus catsup, C A T S U P. Weird. The How Stuff Works article, I didn't see, I didn't. Actually, look, but I didn't see this anywhere else. Is that they're pronounced the same. Correct. Have you ever heard that? So you, you've seen people say ketchup, and you knew that in their mind they saw the word catsup.
0: Yes. All
1: right. I did not realize that. I so you was said catsup? Or, yes, but I always say ketchup. I say catsup like mockingly. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> but I, I that's how I pronounce it, you know? Yeah. But apparently, the they're both just bastardizations anglicizations of whatever word ketchup originally comes from either that fujian um word or the um malaysian word for for again that that anchovy fermented paste
0: and so i think heinz used ketchup starting pretty early on correct
1: Yes. So that's an interesting story. And you just basically told the whole thing. Oh, is that it? <laughs> well, yeah, they came. Heinz, even though they're like the global the global leader in, in uh, ketchup, they came to the market pretty late, like 30 years after ketchup was sold and mass produced in the U.S. Yeah. Heinz came along finally, and they wanted to distinguish themselves oh, from right. their competitors. So they used ketchup, but ketchup wasn't a new word; it was the original word. If you look back at like some of those 18th century recipes, it's ketchup, K-E-T-C-H-U-P. Right. And then apparently, sometime in the 18th century, people started calling it catsup, and so that was the preferred term or uh, spelling. Okay. And then Heinz distinguished themselves and brought ketchup. Spelling, this the popularized spelling with a K
0: back. And because they got market share, that became the norm.
1: Exactly. And then, so it was Del Monte who was the big outlier for years yeah. and years and years. <laughs> yeah, 1988
0: it was when they finally said, oh, yeah. all right, no more ketchup.
1: Yeah.
0: We're going with ketchup.
1: Yep. And they did. They uh, gave in.
0: What about this other thing that I know a lot of people have argued over um, for generations is, Fridge or no fridge?
1: So, I mean, it's got a lot of vinegar in it. It's supposedly, as far as Heinz is concerned, they say it's it's shelf-stable. Yes. Meaning that even after you open it, it's got enough stuff in it that it's going to stay fine. Right. Well, outside of the fridge, but they still recommend keeping it in the fridge.
0: Yeah, they say, and this is a direct quote from Heinz, whoever the, the latest Heinz heir is. I think it's John Kerry. Oh, right. Wasn't that, wasn't his wife the Heinz heir? Yeah. Harris? Teresa, Teresa Heinz. Right. Yeah. So John Kerry says, because of its natural acidity, it's shelf stable. <laughs> However, its stability after opening can be affected by storage conditions. So we recommend, like any processed food, it be refrigerated after opening. So in other words, if you live in Yuma, Arizona, you might not want to keep your ketchup in and you don't have air conditioning. You might not want to keep your ketchup on the table.
1: But you probably could if you really wanted to.
0: But if you lived in Southern California where the breeze is always cool and the air is always clean Mm -hmm. then then you might want to, you know, you could put it on your table and you'd probably be fine.
1: Yeah, and again, it's got like a number of different preservatives in it. It's got vinegar in it. It has sugar, which is a preservative. Uh, It has pectin, naturally found in tomatoes. It's a preservative. It's probably going to be
0: fine, but but keep it in the fridge. I mean, why not? Yeah, we don't listen to us. Unless you have like, if you don't have enough room in your fridge for the bottle of catsup, then you have too much uh, salsa and sriracha.
1: Right, sriracha.
0: Sriracha. <laughs> you hipster, you.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, sriracha is really good, actually. And in fact, that might as well get to that. There are sir- sriracha ketchups. Uh huh. They're pretty popular these days because. This article says millennials like their spice more than their parents. Uh, But (laughs) depending on where you are in the world, uh, there are all flavors of ketchups and all ways to use ketchup, depending on where you are.
1: Yeah, and I just want to say I love how that was put. Can't you see a hipster's parent (laughs) coming to them and be like, what do you like more, your spice or me? Yeah. (laughs) I like my spice more than my parents.
0: Well, you know, that's not what they meant,
1: right? I know. Okay, but um, let's let's take a tour around the world. I know what you were leading up to. I just had to double back to that.
0: All right, let's go to uh, let's go to Jolly Old England, or uh, maybe Venezuela, even. Okay. Because apparently they like sweeter ketchup in those two places.
1: Yeah, and in the, the Philippines they like sweet ketchup, but they like sweet ketchup that's ba- made from a banana base rather than a tomato base. But they're not crazy over there, so they dye it red. So it looks like tomato ketchup.
0: Yeah, and we also should say that in England, they might be more apt to reach for the HP sauce before the ketchup, though.
1: Right, the brown sauce, right? Yes, they love that stuff. Yeah, I think that's their number one condiment over there.
0: HP sauce? Uh-huh. Or do they just call it the brown sauce?
1: They call it the, the brown. The brown? No, wait, that's heroin.
0: Big brown? No? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Big brown?
0: Uh, apparently, Americans, like we said, uh, well, we eat a lot of ketchup, but we're not the leading consumer Because the Finns and the Canadians love the stuff more than we do, even.
1: Yeah, which is pretty shameful, America.
2: Pretty shameful, (laughs)
1: yeah. Mayonnaise and salsa. So, um, in China, Jamaica, and I believe Thailand, they like to put ketchup on fried chicken. Got to try that one. Uh. What about pizza?
0: Ugh. Eastern Eastern Europe, apparently.
1: And Trinidad, India, Japan, and Poland. That's how you know it's good, man. That is a diverse collection of countries that all put ketchup on their pizza.
0: You know, what's funny is my friend Eddie can say all of these foods, ranch dressing.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, ranch dressing should be the number one condiment in the world. (laughs) Chuck, Uh, Chuck, hold on. I have to tell you something. You have to go to Japan one of these days, right? Okay, There are... We've never over there, invited me. they, oh, you, I thought it was, I just understood you have a standing <laughs> invitation to come to Japan every time we go. Because you are the ambassador. Right. I've got the sash and everything. But Japan's misspelled. Um <laughs> it, It's a, it, they have pizza over there and rather than tomato sauce, it's going to knock your socks off, they use the Japanese mayo. What? With corn. Whoa, whoa, and whoa. sometimes ham. So. Or like pancetta or something like that.
0: All right. So you've got a. A dough, yep. Then you've got a spread of mayonnaise, yeah. Corn off the cob, uh huh, and ham.
1: Yes, and it is mind-blowingly good. Uh, is there cheese? I don't remember if there not was a lot of cheese, cheese in or not. Japan I think at all, right? I fainted. No, they're not <laughs> big on they're not big on cheese or dairy. They don't have that much room for cows. Although all the cows they have are like Kobe beef cows. I think that's what they kind of dedicate their cow space to.
0: Did I ever tell you my story of being at the Chinese restaurant when I was a kid?
1: Uh-uh.
0: There was a guy getting takeout, and uh, he went through about uh, probably about five or six different things asking if it had cheese on it. <laughs> like egg rolls have cheese on it. Uh, Mugu guy pan does it have cheese on it. Uh-huh. And the, the sweet uh, Chinese owner, it's kind of an older guy, kept saying like, no, 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 no. And at the very... <laughs> After, like, the fifth thing, the guy stopped him and said, uh, in his very sweet uh, Chinese-American ac- accent, that no Chinese food has cheese on it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> really? Was the guy just messing with him or something?
0: No, man. I, th- I think, I don't know. I guess he was just unfamiliar. I mean, this was the 1970s. Oh, yeah. Okay. So uh, maybe he, you know, didn't have experience with Chinese food. <laughs> <laughs> but That's it's funny. funny as an adult to think about, uh, like, that move any Chinese food cheese? with cheese, on, like, melted on top. <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah, that's got it. white American.
0: Uh, so, Sweden. If you go to Sweden, mm-hmm. they will actually squeeze ketchup over their pasta.
1: That's like um, honey boo boo. Oh, really? Yeah, they used to put. And I never really watched this show, but I mean, I was a conscious human being back then, so I was aware of this. But they would they would cook pasta and then put butter on it and then squeeze ketchup on it and that was like Honey Boo Boo spaghetti.
0: Oh my God. No comment.
1: We used to be colleagues of Honey Boo Boo's at one point.
0: Did they work for Discovery?
1: Yeah. They were all on TLC. <sighs> I
0: have to remember to put, add that back to my resume. Right. Um, where, where else? What else we got? What kind of crazy ketchups do we have?
1: Okay, so um, all right, you ready for this one? Yeah. This is, I've never heard of this before. In Canada, have you ever had, well, you wouldn't have, but have you ever seen ketchup potato chips? Uh, yes. They're pretty good. They're better than barbecue chips, if you ask me. Harris makes a good one, right? Uh huh. Apparently, the Canadians do some wacky thing with it where they take, they take ketchup potato chips and turn it into a ketchup cake of some sort.
0: Ooh.
1: I've not had this before, but, We're going to be in Toronto and Vancouver this year, so I expect multiple ketchup cakes.
0: Yeah. But you
1: you don't really have to make us ketchup
0: (laughs) I I should point out, too, since we're talking about that tour, that uh, Toronto and Vancouver are far and away leading in ticket sales right now out of the gate. Ooh, yeah. So Canada, like America needs to step it up because Canada is kicking your butts.
1: Man, that's the great thing about doing um, multinational tours is you can pit one country against (laughs) the other. Yeah, right? Yeah, especially as everybody's kind of devolving into nationalism right now. You can really get it going. <laughs>
0: uh, you know what kind of chips I did have the other day was the, um, the what do you call it, the country gravy, sausage and country gravy.
1: Oh, the Lay's?
0: Yeah. I haven't tried those. Are they good? Um, Yeah. I mean, do you like white gravy, sausage gravy? Sure. It tastes like that.
1: Really? They nailed it, huh? They nailed it. Because sometimes those things are
0: way off. Well, yeah, they have a contest now, don't they?
1: Yeah, yeah they do. I'm trying to remember some of the other ones cuz they've they've had some good ones, but um Oh, uh chicken and waffles. Oh, the chicken right. and waffles one was really good. Was it? Yeah, it had like just this hint of maple and uh-huh. but yeah, it kind of tasted a little fried chickeny. It was it was good.
0: Crazy. Um what other kinds of crazy ketchups do we have?
1: What about ketchup ice cream? No, thank you. So Baskin-Robbins apparently came up with it, and it died in the lab. Yeah, I bet. But apparently it was based on a Heinz ice cream recipe for Heinz carnival cream. Whoa. So that was a thing. Which, I I mean, again, I would try this stuff. Did I ever tell you about the time Yumi and I went to Plaza Fiesta and tried tuna gelato? Oh, yeah. And it was like, <laughs> it tasted just like raw tuna. Yeah. It was insane. Yeah. Never heard of it before, never seen it anywhere else. It was like this one specific place had it. Man. If you ever if you ever find yourself in Atlanta, Georgia with some time to kill, go to Plaza Fiesta. Try to find the gelato place and see if they have the tuna gelato.
0: They have a good uh cowboy store over there too. Yeah, they have a bunch of them. Like good good boots, hats and shirts. belts and checkered shirts and
1: And brother, if you're throwing a quinceañera, that's where you go. Yeah, I'm sure. So, lastly, Chuck We have to give a shout out. We would be really remiss if we didn't mention that one of uh, tomato is a or or ketchup is a big ingredient in something called pruno.
0: Yeah, we talked about prison wine in our prisons episode. Mm -hmm. I did not. I don't think I remembered that that was. In fact, maybe I didn't know. Did we say that it was an ingredient?
1: I don't think so. I didn't notice it until now, Ooh. but it's like part of the, it's like you use that in sugar packets to feed the fermentation process.
0: In a sock, right?
1: But, uh, Can you make I it in a sock? I don't know if you could make it in a sock. I think it needs to be a little more airtight than that, but maybe not. Maybe you could, although it all just drip out. I'm but, not sure, man. Oh, man. For the recipe I came across, it's like in a, in like a big gallon size Ziploc bag. But, yeah, after, like, day two or three of fermentation, you feed it with ketchup packets and sugar. Gross. Yeah, and then you got some pruno, which you should never try. No. You got anything else?
0: Yeah, we should uh, cover this thing, this last thing you sent. Uh, headline, Israel Ketchup War Forces Heinz to Relabel Sauce as Tomato Seasoning. <laughs> so, in Israel, the leading ketchup maker is uh, Osem. Osem. And they have a 66% market share. And, uh, in Israel, as in most countries, they have food standards where you can only call something something if it has this much of whatever.
1: Yeah. And apparently Israel's standards are much higher than the U.S. or Europe's.
0: Yeah. So you have to have a certain percentage of tomato concentrate to be labeled tomato ketchup in Israel. And so Osim, even though they have 60% mark or 66% market share went after Heinz. They said, hey, we did a uh, a study with an independent lab that had no skin in the game, leading European external laboratory. Right. And they found out that Heinz did not have the required percentage of tomato concentrate. Right. So they can't even call it ketchup anymore. And I believe it's being enforced over there, right?
1: Yeah, well, this was from 2015, and the thing leaves off, I didn't see any updates, but the article leaves off that Heinz was petitioning with the um, health ministry to change the tomato concentrate requirements down to something like 6%. Well,
0: and here's the thing, is Heinz said their claims have no substance. Well, then why are they lobbying to get the percentage lowered? Right. You know? I
1: think what happened was Heinz was selling... The same ketchup that they sell in Europe and America, and this is just speculation on my part, but they they were probably selling the same ketchup that they sell elsewhere, but in Israel. But Israel has higher food standards, at least as far as their ketchup goes. Right. And their competitor nailed them on it. That's what I think happened. Okay. But yeah, they can't, on the label, they can call it ketchup in English, but they can't call it ketchup in in Hebrew. Yeah, they can only call it tomato it seasoning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Malk. Oh, it's pretty funny. It is. It's a funny world, Chuck. It is. And now ketchup is done. I guess I didn't think it would take us in our 900 something episode to finally get to ketchup, but we did.
0: Well, and this now frees up now I have permission to request mayonnaise. Okay. That's a deal. We'll we'll do that. All right. Maybe we should just have condiment month.
1: Okay. I like the sound of that. <laughs> Well, in the meantime, if uh, you want to learn more about ketchup, you can type that word in the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. You can also check out Nat Geo's articles on it. Like I said, Fast Co. Design. Mental Flaws had a great one. And we got some stuff from our friends at Listverse who had a pretty interesting uh, compilation of some cool tomato facts or ketchup facts. Uh, and since I said tomato instead of ketchup, it's time for Listener Mail.
0: I'm gonna call this Wow Signal Update. Um, did you get tweets about this? I did, and I ignored them all because I think this is a lie. So
1: oh, all right. Well, so I think it's propaganda. Here we go then. Alien.
0: Uh, hey guys, first want to let you know that I love the show. I always look forward to new episodes Tuesday, Thursday, as well as the selects on Saturday. Uh, I know you would be interested to find out that I saw a news article the other day that states that an experiment was ran earlier this year based on a paper from 2015 that claimed. The WOW signal was caused by hydrogen clouds from comets, which uh, transited (laughs) that area of the sky back in 1977. In January of this year, those comets transited once again, and it was determined they were indeed the source of the signal. Of course, this sparked quite a bit of controversy among those hoping that this was a sign of alien life. Mm. But alas, it appears it wasn't so. Uh, I can't help but be a little disappointed Ever since learning of the Wow signal, I knew it was a long shot. Uh, anyway, keep up the great work. Love to see you in Charleston, South Carolina, someday. I'm sure you'd love that city. And Sean Flanagan, I do love Charleston.
1: Yeah, Charleston is a top-notch town.
0: Yeah, I don't know if that's has enough people for us to go,
1: but maybe. Uh, I don't know. People might come from around the southeast to that show.
0: Who knows? But heck, we went to Birmingham. Let's go to Charleston.
1: Yeah, it's. I mean. Us playing there is a good enough reason to get people to go to Charleston. Maybe Bill Murray would come. Oh, yeah. Is he still there? I know his family is.
0: Yeah, he's, he lives there. Okay. I mean, he's, I think he's got more than one place, but I think he.
1: Well, I'll tell you what Bill Murray, sure. if you're listening, we'll list you for our show if you'll come.
0: <laughs> he's just crazy enough to show up. Yeah. So that's from Sean and. Uh, We had a lot of people write in about the wow signal. Yeah. uh, It's
1: disappointing that everybody bought into it. (laughs) Like, oh, no, it's not aliens. It's this. Yeah. Hydrogen cloud. Stupid comets. Well, if you want to get in touch with us, you can tweet to us. We're at SYSK Podcast, and I'm at Josh underscore um underscore Clark. You can hang out with Chuck on Facebook at Charles W. Chuck Bryant or at uh, Stuff You Should Know. You can send us all an email to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. And as always, join us at our home on the web, stuffyoushouldknow.com.
2: For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com.
0: Hey, if you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have.
2: Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com.